What is the Veterans Treatment Court? Find out as Charlie Kuhn and Katie Gamble chat with Judge Ken Goble and Director Ed Moss about this local program that helps veterans who have gotten in trouble with the law get their lives back in order and how you can help. You will also hear about the 2010 program that was designed to help at youth risk find mentors that can help them stay out of trouble and get them into college. All on this episode of Clarksville's Conversation. It's really kind of cool to have them here because there, there's so many things happening in our county, uh, in our community with, with veterans, and they have some great programs going on. Well, I find it pretty inspirational. I really love the fact that you saw a need to help people and do something, and you just did it. You know, I, I, that's pretty inspirational because a lot of people have all these grand ideas and want to help, but to just actually put it into fruition. So let's talk about Veterans Treatment Court. Well, you know, I, I thought about doing a silly question than not doing a question, but I have thought of you a question. You decided you wanted to do one? That I, so I, you want I, me to... I like to ask them a question. Okay, guys. You all know Charlie, so this doesn't surprise you, right? No. So. <laughs> no, and he doesn't even know yeah, what I'm about to do. In I have honor no idea what's coming, of but. that mustache, Charlie mustache you a question. So, And so, I have no idea what it's going to be, so I want to apologize ahead of time. So if we could reverse roles and say that Mr. Goble is now uh, just a citizen. And, well, he and, is a citizen. Yeah, but he's not a judge in this, okay. in this role play. Okay. But Mr. Moss is the judge. Oh. And say Mr. Goble comes in before you in your court. What do you think the charge would be? Why do you think oh, he would gosh. be in court? <laughs> 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 they, they call that a curveball. That is a curveball. Mm -hmm. This is your one chance. You'd be careful. Because <laughs> I am still the judge. So. Yeah. In real life. In real life. I think, I think Judge Goble would come before me for excessive speeding. Oh. oh. Do you got a little lead fit? No, he says I no. think it was a metaphor for how fast I work. I, I, okay. I'm going to make that assumption. Okay. Uh, it sounds much better. That, anyway. is, that does sound Because you better. have such great results with well, what you guys do. You you what would you ever expect to see Charlie in oh, front of court for? I mean, that, that could be almost anything. Well. It could. We're not, we're not, we're, we're not interested. <laughs> we know it wouldn't be fighting or anything like that. Cause no, he's, just, he's a he's, he's a lover, not a fighter. That's right. Yeah, that's well, right. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, thank you for for yeah. playing along with that, yes, and, and we do appreciate y'all for being here today. Absolutely, thank you. So you were on the bench, probably seeing lots of veterans, right? Mm -hmm. And you saw the need for the VTC Veterans Treatment Court. Tell me how that all well, how came about. Look, I want to go back a little bit. Okay. Um, before I. Before I became an attorney, even uh, I, I own a business called D and D Sharp Printers. Still own it, and we do a lot of business with the military. And I was president of AUSA for two years, Desert Shield, Desert Storm. That period, uh, I actually was fortunate enough to be the, the president when we started the welcome home ceremonies. So that's uh -huh. actually when it started. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I went to the first 101 flights in a row, and then I stopped. Uh, wow. You know, I figured 101 was a good number. Well, it kind of makes sense. 101, yeah. 101st, yeah. So anyway, uh, long story short, I've always done a lot with the military, and the people that I work with know that. And uh, Ray Grimes, who is the uh, presiding judge over the recovery court, drug recovery court, uh, showed me an article about a court in uh, Buffalo, New York, the Veterans Treatment Court, the first, very first one that started in 2008. I read the article and found out there was tr federal training available. 
So I went to Lindsay, Lindsay Chandler at the time, uh, who was the administrative assistant, and said, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it fits. And so um, I started asking people w- if they were participating. We had to have a team of 10, all different roles. Okay. And they had to be willing to go to Buffalo uh, for, the, for the conference or, or the, the training. And I put together a team and it just kind of went from there. We went to Buffalo, did the training, and then we came back and, we, and, and with our training, we had to put together the outline or the blueprint for the, the, the court. And it took about a year between when we went to the training and came back and actually started up the court. We yeah. started the court in July of 20, or 2012. So. so what exactly is the role of Veterans Treatment Court? We uh, take uh, active duty soldiers and veterans that have gotten in trouble with the law that are appropriate for our court, that need treatment of some nature, uh, that, uh, that uh, qualify, and there's certain qualifiers. It can't be violent crimes generally, um, and they can't have a dishonorable discharge. Uh, they can't have other, there's certain things that would disqualify them, but if they meet the qualifications, they come into our court for a 12 to 15 month program uh, where they receive, we, we assess them for PTSD, we do an alcohol and drug, drug assessment, and then we determine what the best treatment course is for each individual. This is it's not, it's not a cookie cutter program, mm-hmm. it's we take each individual and assess their needs and set them up with a, a plan. We assess whether they're high risk or low risk and the plan revolves around that as well. And then we start the plan. There's four phases. The first phase, uh, there's an eight o'clock curfew. They have to be on a scram device, which uh, four times a day or more, they have to blow into this device to make sure they're not drinking. Uh Um, They have to, if they want to go outside the community, they have to request travel passes. It's pretty restricted. Um, So this is an alternative to like jail time. It is. Okay. It is. And it's an alternative to probation as well. Um, but it's a rehabilitation. Uh, right. Yeah. And it's a, it's usually it's a pre-adjudication program, so they don't plead to anything. And when they're done with the program, they, they do whatever was agreed to on the front end. Sometimes it's the case being dismissed. Sometimes it's a case being reduced to a different charge that's not that doesn't have as big an impact on their, their history. So have you ever had anyone say, no, I don't want to do that? Oh, yeah. yeah and, and the way we set it up is... Uh, the person, the individual has to have a, um, an attorney, mm-hmm. and the attorney has to assess what, what their best course of action is, whether the person needs treatment, whether that their, the outcome will be better for their client. Mm-hmm. And then they approach their client with the opportunity for this. Gotcha. And, and if, the, if the client says, yeah, I'm willing to make those sacrifices, then they go to the district attorney, and the district attorney and the defense attorney uh, come to some kind of understanding. And the first gatekeeper is the defense attorney. The second gatekeeper is the the district attorney. And then finally, the team makes the ultimate decision. So for those who want to, it's like a second chance. Oh, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Do you have anyone? I'm sorry, I'm hogging the conversation. No, have have it. Do you have anyone that just stands out to you that just is really taking that chance and just turn their life all the way around? You don't have to mention names or anything, but I mean, I'm sure you've got some stories, success sure, stories. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell this one because I, I kind of witnessed it a little bit. We had a guy that um, came into the program with a, a, a drug dependency, a pain drug dependency. Oh, wow. And he would come in hobbling on a cane 
real frail acting. And one day I saw him leave the court and he had his cane over his shoulder walking. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but he, he he would do what was necessary. You know, drug abusers, alcohol abusers, they lie mm-hmm. to, to sustain their, yeah. their habit. And uh, so we called him on it. Uh, we actually put him in jail for a little bit and got him into a program. And when he came out of that program, he was a completely different person. He was, he was active. He was energetic. He was wow. fun to be around. Yeah. He had re- reconnected with his family. I mean, all kinds of positives uh, that we see a lot. Uh, but this was probably the most, uh, the biggest turnaround that, mm-hmm. uh, of, the, of the ones we've seen. And we've seen a lot. Well, with a drug dependency like that, you probably saved his life. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. So, so Mr. Moss, as director yes, of Veteran Treatment Court, what do you do? What What is your role? How do you, How do you play into this? He's a first sergeant. <laughs> He's first sergeant. <laughs> he is. Right. I call him top at, at uh, you know I, I'm an army brat. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So I, uh, my my dad was a first sergeant. Yeah, and so I call him top, and you you take it from here. But that's what his. I just keep the program going. Huh? I kind of manage all the case managers, manage all the, the documentation that flows yeah. back and forth between the case manager and the participants, with the attorneys and the, and the DA, and even with our team. And I often sit with the judge and determine some of the participants and what's going on with them as well. I just make sure that we have all the referrals and all the avenues that we can possibly utilize for the participants to be successful. I do some community outreach, kind of like what we're doing yeah. right now, yeah. speaking about the program and what we're trying to do for the veterans in our community in Montgomery County. You know, I always hear, you know, I, I, I see you, uh, Judge Goebel, some uh, socially, and and every time you are somewhere, you talk about this program, so I know you're very proud of it. And then, and I'm looking here at the list of uh, your team members. Yes, sir. And, you know, you, when you think about court, you know, you think of the bailiffs and you think all the people there, but you guys have got quite a team behind the scenes that make things happen. How do you, uh, how do you handle that? How do, how do you organize all those folks? Well, I think it's about communication. Yeah. We, we find the most effective group of individuals that can provide services for the participants. We have individuals that doesn't have a job. We have the Department of Labor that works with us. We have participants that want to go to school. We have educational counselors that work with us. We have participants with marital concerns. We have marital counseling for the participants and their family. We have participants with financial issues. We have mm-hmm. financial counselors attached to us. So we have all of those smart people put together yeah. to provide the best program for the participants. And I just try to manage it as best way as we possibly yeah. can. But it's all through communication and military uh, components collaborating for an effective yeah. program. And you have a mentor program. So the Veterans Treatment Court, the backbone of the Veterans Treatment Court is really the mentor program. Throughout all those hundreds of years of experience uh, from our mentor program is what uh, really keeps us going. Our mentors are the ones that are talking on a day-to-day basis with the participants. There's a number of things that the judge, that doesn't get back to the judge, it doesn't get back to me, but the participants have someone they can talk to 24 hours a day, seven days a week to keep them on a straight and narrow. Yeah, do they, what, what does it take to be a mentor? And if someone wanted to be involved either as a mentor or in or the program, other help you need it, how, yeah. how, how do people get involved in that? So we have a mentor coordinator, uh, Mary Ross, and she's 
actively uh, looking for mentors for the program, obviously veterans, because I think it's very important because the veterans, we speak the same lingo. Yep. It's very important to understand what the vets has gone through and are going through currently. So that those are the two requirements. And then there's a background check, obviously, mm -hmm. associated with the mentors to ensure that they don't have some concerns of, the, of their own yeah. uh, that can preclude them from being successful within the program. Uh, and, and that's really the short list just really wanting to have a need to give back and help somebody else is yeah. the most important aspect of being a mentor. What needs does your organization have now that the community could help with? That's a great question. One of the needs that, that, that we're always looking for, obviously, is you know we have a funding component. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we work on a grant that's provided by the state and everything else uh, that we have is primarily volunteers um, mm -hmm. that, that want to give back to the community. So our funding concern is always a component that we always look at to be able to provide the best for our participants uh, in, the, in the program. And it doesn't have to necessarily be cash. It can be um, bus passes. It can be movie passes. It can be uh, anything that um, helps a quality of life things for our participants uh, that are good, clean fun. Dinners? Sure. Yes, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Things like that. Um, so. Do you get a lot of that participation from businesses and stuff? We get some. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we, get a, we, we get a lot of moral support. And we don't do a lot of, uh, we don't go out a, a lot with our hands out. It's, mm -hmm. um, it's because the mentors provide a lot of that um, component. Uh, but we can always use uh, more help, more resources, uh, because we've got, we started with about, well, we started with zero participants, and we grew to about 30 and stayed at about 30 uh, at a time for a period. Now we're up to, we're averaging uh, about 75 participants. Oh, wow. Over what period of time? Since 2012? Since no, I mean 75. Uh, well, 75 at any given time oh, is what our, what our average is. Um, okay. It's, which is, it's, it's a huge caseload. We've got two case managers managing those, all those people. So yeah. there's a lot to keep. Uh, that is a large caseload. And then, and then the participants go through the program and hopefully reach graduation day. Right. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that and kind of what goes on. So I think our phase five is what it's really called. That's the culmination of everything they've been through from phase one yeah. uh, through phase four. Um, and, it's, and it's really just a celebration of what they've done, their accomplishments, their families are there, the judge is there, we have some uh, elected officials that come and be a part of the program and, and really just showing their admiration for what these individuals yeah. have done. And what's really important about the phase five is, we call it phase five for life. And on our shirt, you can see, you know, we leave no veteran behind. They have the opportunity to always come back to the veteran treatment court for whatever they may have going on in their life. And I'll, I'll give you a short story about one that happened about a year ago. We had a phase five, phase five participant, uh, graduated, but he started going through a very tough time in his life again. Uh, he has weapons in his home, he started drinking again, and he made some ideations to his spouse. And his spouse didn't know what to do or who to call, and she reached out to the Veterans Treatment mm -hmm. Court and talked to one of our case managers. We immediately stopped everything that we had going on. The case manager got in contact with law enforcement, uh, got in contact with the Bach uh, Hospital in Fort Campbell. Uh, they went out, got this young man, took him there, uh, and got his assessment, and now he's back with his family. He just was going through a very tough time and needed. So again, uh, this continues uh, throughout your life. 
no matter what's going on or what you need, we'll always be there for you. So I, I go through five and, you know, 10 years from now, I'm going through a divorce. And I just need someone to talk to y'all. I call We're you there. guys, you hook it up. We'll be right there. That's and uh, what's significant about the um, phase five promotion ceremony is they read, they're required to read an essay and it's basically their story. And, and a lot of them talk about what got them into the program, what the program has done for them and what they plan on doing in their future. Uh, so there, it, the people that come and witness this get a real feel for why our program is so important. And we, we have a good uh, base of support, not just with the elected fish, officials, which are great, but uh, just, just community members that support the program come in and, and sit for these uh, Phase 5 promotions. Well, I think that's one thing about Clarksville that I love is that Clarksville does want to support veterans. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. We're yeah. going to make it over there. To the ceremony. So August really, 20th is I, our next one. What time? Because I really would like one to. O'clock. One o'clock. In uh, Division One, second floor of the courthouse. Where's, uh, oh, second, second floor of the courthouse. Yeah. Okay. You, you will have to go through a metal detector. Oh, that's no problem. That's okay. no problem. You know where it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I did have jury duty up there. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Wink, wink. And they kicked me off of that. So there you go. Oh, I'd wink. like to hear, I mean, I know today is probably not, it's too long, but I'm really interested in some of those stories because they're changing. You know, they when somebody comes to you before you in court, I mean, that's the bottom of the bottom sometimes. And then to be able to pull yourself out of that and turn your life around, I think is pretty amazing. It, 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 in, in many instances, it is. Um, we have people that come into our program that, uh, like I talked about this morning, had uh, have either thought about suicide mm -hmm. or tried suicide. And, and the harsh reality is that we've had, um, we just recently lost two of our participants, one to a drug overdose mm -hmm. and one to suicide. Um, and we're trying to address that uh, with the team and with the participants. We're trying to hit it head on. Uh, we're not we're not ignoring the issue. Uh, we're not, you know, sticking our head in the sand. Uh, we're addressing it with the help of the county. And I, I want to, uh, I want to kind of send a shout out to uh, both the county government and the city the government. The county government helps fund us, and Joe Pitts from the city is is has always supported our program when he was in the legislature and now when he's yeah. as county mayor. So we've got great uh, government support. Jason Hodges, um, uh, this past Tuesday, spent from 9.30 till, till about 3 o'clock just sitting in. That's when we have our regular court mm -hmm. sessions, and he yeah. just sat in for the whole thing to, to get a good feel of it. what we're about. I don't see, when you learn more about this, it would be hard to not support it. I mean, because it just, one, you're turning someone's life around. There's money to put someone in jail. I mean, well, this all-around win for everyone. That's what... That's what a lot of people don't understand is, is recovery courts save money mm -hmm. uh, because there's a lot less recidivism. Uh, we're, the state has about 60% recidivism. Treatment courts, recovery courts have uh, about 10%, 10 to 15% depending mm -hmm. on where and what, you know. So there's all kinds of cost savings uh, in, that, that go along with recovery courts. And the other component is we get a lot of people, believe it or not, saying, well, why should veterans get special treatment? So if you, if, if you, if you, if you go beyond the obvious, uh, the, I, my answer is it's not special treatment, it's specialized treatment. Uh, uh, yeah, because like we're, we're addressing PTSD, we're, we're, we're addressing the things that got them where they, where they are. Yeah. So. 
Right, while they were serving the people that are saying, why do they need special treatment? Well, and, and that's a small portion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I want, you know, but it does, the question does get asked. Mm-hmm. It seems like you'd, you'd wake up every morning with a smile on your face thinking, we're going to make something happen for somebody today. Yeah. And just have a positive outlook. I know jobs are tough, yes, but at the end of the day, you can smile and say you've done good work. Everybody that works with us is there because they want to be with us. Uh, yeah. And it makes a difference. The attitude is different. The uh, cohesiveness is different. It's just, it's it's amazing how well, not only the staff members, but the team members. We The people that started as our team, uh, about 85% of them are still part of the team. Uh, and, you know, so we've had very little turnover uh, yeah. with the folks that started with us. That's cool. August 20th, 1 o'clock, be right. there. So uh, now I want to go talk a little bit about the 2010 mentorship program. Yes, because ma'am. you start a Veterans Treatment Court, it's working, you're doing the mentorship program, which then kind of led, there's another need with juveniles, right? So that's kind of, I would assume, what kind of steered you that direction. Yes, ma'am. Because we don't want any child to make mistakes and then be... Well, I... Uh, I tell people all the time that my two toughest days are the day I have veterans treatment court as far as being drained by yeah. what, what I have to do and juvenile court day. And I, I started noticing a trend, and it wasn't a trend, it's just, I just noticed it, that people, the kids that go into state custody would excel when they were in state custody. And then the minute they were released back to their home environment, they would revert back to the same old habits. And I started thinking about mentoring, the, the mentoring that we have with the Veterans Treatment Court. And then Ed and I started talking about, okay, what do we do? And then the thought of, came up about partnership with Austin P. And the fact that uh, we could get our mentors from Austin P. And but how do we do that? Uh, one of the components is the students generally, although uh, Austin has a lot more non-traditional students, generally the kids are pretty close to age That's with, true. These, with these 16, 17, 18 year olds that yeah. we're dealing with. And they, uh, and I, you know, they'll listen to me to a point, mm-hmm. and the point is until they leave the courtroom. Yeah. Um, and so Ed and I kind of brainstormed and, and um, Ed started conversations with or well, actually, I started with Ed's help. Uh, I had a meeting with uh, Elisa White, Dr. White at Austin P. She invited me to meet with her, for lack of better words, her cabinet of people, mm-hmm. and I introduced the theory. And then uh, Ed started working with the the legal people at Austin P. The legal people with the counties, the, the concept, with Dr. Thompson at at. Uh, at Austin P, and they came up with this program. Initially, it was just a sociology department where we would marry up sociology students with mm-hmm. uh, at-risk juveniles. Which makes complete sense, yeah. Well, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's, once, once you come up with it, it, it it's more obvious than uh, it was before you thought about it. But so, so they, this last semester was our first semester with the 2010 mentorship program and it was extraordinary success. Um, what is 2010? What does that stand for? Well, perfect vision is 2010. Oh, I like that. And um, 
So that's what I wanted for these kids uh -huh. is vision. A vision for their future. Every kid that comes in front of me just That's about. That's very clever. I like it. Well, every you know, a blind hog. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, um, I wanted um, these kids to, every, every kid that comes in front of me, I ask them, okay, what do you want to do with your future? When you're done with high school, what do you want to do? And some of them will say college. Some of them will say trade school. Some of them will say, uh, you know, I, Oh. anything i don't a lot of times i don't know so i i kind of push them force them to think about what they're doing and going through this program not only do they uh, get exposed to the college environment they get introduced to the fact that they can do it they've demonstrated they mm -hmm. can do it by making good grades in while they're in state custody at least mm -hmm. uh, that the financial burden is not really there because if they're at risk generally it's a lower income family and so they'll qualify not only for the HOPE scholarship, for, but yeah. for other uh, low-income type and grants stuff, yeah. and stuff like that. So we introduce them on how to do that. And then we just, the, the, the mentors just talk to them about life, talk to them about college, talk to them about just whatever they want to talk to them about. Uh, how many mentors did you all have in this program this past fall? We had 30. Oh. We had 30 mentors from the social work department. Is it a one-on-one -on -one ratio with the uh, the kids, the juveniles? We actually do a two-to-one ratio just for safety considerations okay. uh, for all parties involved. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so two mentors to one mentee. That's smart. It's all on campus. There's, there's restrictions in place for all the, you know, they're still young. Mm -hmm. Even the college students are young, you know, so they're going to have... Uh, different ways of looking at life than uh, than, than maybe we do uh, yeah but um so so we, we restrict them to campus right now uh we were we restrict them always two to one uh you know there's times places that they can times places that they can't meet uh things like that is there requirements on how often they should meet as it says now, it's one it's one meeting per week with the okay. individual, but we don't restrict that. If there's a, if there's opportunities they for they like each other and want to hang out, they can do that because I think more positive people in in the lives of the juveniles, the better. Um, one one of my goals of the program, and it was a little little bit of a sale, is I, I wanted to ensure that the the kids was not in the court. I think at 16, 17, and 18. You know their brains are still growing; they're still malleable. I didn't think that that would be the most appropriate place place for them to be. And that's where APSU campus mm -hmm. uh, came into play. Cause there's so many great things you can do yeah. on the campus of APSU, uh, whether it's going to athletic events or or whether it's going to to musical events or or just things just outside mm -hmm. of APSU is, is great. We've even had some students that was interested in certain programs and were able to sit in college classes uh, as well. So um, that was one of our, mm -hmm. our, our goals and challenges uh, to be successful in the program. So now you mentioned that when they're in custody, in state custody, they thrive and they come home and they don't. Have you noticed that these that have these mentors, that there's been a change in that situation? Yeah, mostly. Uh-huh. I mean, some... I still got to go home. Still got to go home, but this the the one um, example that we use um, the kid is starting National State uh, this semester, but he would talk to his mentor mentors 
about the peer pressure he was receiving from his friends. And that's, that's part of it is like a supervision by the parents. Mm-hmm. And part of it is the peer pressure he receives, he or she receives when they're out running the streets when they should be home or at school or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so he talked about the peer pressure. He talked about being threatened. He th- talked about being put down for wanting wow. to do something better for, the, for himself. It's, I mean, it's just, and, and you, can, you can bet that that's pretty uh, prevalent among most of these kids that, that come from these, these homes that are, that, I, unfortunately I find that the, a lot of the kids that I see, the fruit fall, doesn't fall far from the tree. You know, the, the, their home environment mm-hmm. is such that it, it, it promotes the type of activities that they're, they're participating in. So to, to take them out of that element and introduce them to something that will provide a better livelihood for them and keep them out off the streets and out of jail uh, is extraordinary. And, it, and the, the flip side of that is these sociology students, they're getting real world experience mm-hmm. uh-huh. before they get their degree. So they're, I mean, it's a win-win for everybody. Does it count as some type of internship or how? It's a class. It's a class. class. Oh, wow. APSU created an actual class that they'd signed up for. That's wonderful. And now this semester they're spreading it to the psychology psychology department. It's a class and it shows the volunteer, how to volunteer for something as well. Well, I'm just saying as someone who hires people, seeing that on a resume too would be pretty. Yeah, yeah. So, like, like we talked about your other program, talk about community involvement, funding. How, how does it, what are how your needs? How can the community help? Well, what's not on this brochure that will be hopefully in the next 30 days is a link to Austin P. We um, we are starting a scholarship fund for at-risk kids that have been through this 2010 yeah. program, uh-huh. uh, and we're trying to raise uh, at least twenty-five thousand dollars for an endowment scholarship, so it will continue on. Yeah. And pr- perpetuity so that's that's the best way they that's really the only way they can help because the the mentors part of it it's it's completely driven by OCP and then we provide the um, the mentees so if you have a uh, a juvenile that goes through the 2010 program the scholarship would be so that they can go on to college at OCP you know and and thinking about this there's other opportunities giving these kids jobs Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, will help them uh, sustain you know, a, the, you know, being on the right path. You know, there's a lot, a lot of, I mean, we do it with the military a lot, do mock interviews and, and things like that. Get them in front of uh, businesses like yours, Katie, where they can see what it's like to really have a real interview, even if it's just a training situation. Sure. I don't know if y'all do any of that, but there's a lot of people willing to, to help with those things. And I, I, I'd be remiss. There's a lot of people that have been involved bringing this together. <clears throat> Ed was the biggest part of it. He actually, I gave him kind of my idea. Yeah. And he 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 made the blueprint. You know, he did the research. He came up with an actual handbook, uh, like a 20, 30 page handbook on the do's and don'ts. And with, and with teamwork, we tweaked it and legal assistance. Uh, but uh, Miss Fields, yes, Miss Austin. Uh, Ms. Woodcock, all the ju- uh, juvenile court, they have taken ownership of this program. Um, Dr. Thompson at Austin P, he 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 is just so excited about these opportunities and these, these sociology students. I was so impressed the way they took ownership of this program. I mean, it wasn't just another class for them. This mm-hmm. was this was real world for them, and they treated it like real world. 
um, and they were bound and determined to make a difference in these kids' lives. And the only thing that we had to do with these kids is kind of hold them back a little bit because, you know, you can get too involved yeah. mm -hmm. and they've got to learn uh, how to keep it a little bit uh, separated, a right. little bit of separation. So, so have, you, have there been any other colleges that have said, hey, that's a great idea, take note or call you all about it? or Because so, that real life experience seems to be how education sometimes is moving nowadays. Is So we, we, we did a briefing on APSU, was it a board of directors? The board, board of trustees. Board of trustees. Mm -hmm. and, and there were some other colleges that, that took interest in it. But I think right now we're trying to ensure our foundation. Figuring yeah. uh, it all out. Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. We make sure our foundation is, is strong and solid so it'll, it'll continue to thrive uh, in the future. But yes, to answer your question, there has been other individuals mm -hmm. that asked about the program. And how do we get something like it this going on? It just makes so much sense. And most communities either have or are close to a some kind of college setting. Yeah. So it, the it, the opportunities are available. Uh, there's two ways that we're going to try to get this out. Austin P is going to uh, at a, a conference in They're going to a conference in Memphis in mid-August. Tennessee Higher Educational Commission, and they're going to brief this 2010 mentorship yes. program uh, to all the Tennessee higher education and what we're doing. Uh, in Montgomery County. And then uh, through the Judicial Conference, we're going to try um, to get this on their agenda. We have a conference coming up uh, Monday, as a matter of fact, but it really came too late in the game to get on their agenda. Yeah. So the next time we have a juvenile conference, I anticipate this will be on, on as, a, uh, as a program. So, Well, gentlemen, I thank you for coming in and sharing the story with us and um, for changing these kids and these veterans' lives. Hey, y'all are doing great work. I, I knew very, very little, and now I know just enough to want to ask you a lot more questions. August 20th, 1 o'clock. Be there. I promise you won't be disappointed. Yep. I appreciate your time as well. Thank you so much. Clarksville's Conversation. Subscribe now on your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss a single conversation.